0: All By Myself, Episode 2, with Chris McDermott. Spirituality, study, and work in lockdown. Are you religious? Do you consider yourself to be spiritual? Can we tap into our spiritual side to help us during the lockdown? Hello, and welcome to another episode of All By Myself. Thanks to everyone who has been listening and for all the messages that I have gotten, especially for the first mini episode that we released where I just had a little bit of a rant to tell you what this podcast was all about. Uh, the words of encouragement have been very nice. It means a lot. Thank you very much. Special shout out to Go K, who actually left me a voice note to say he liked the podcast and uh, I have a soothing voice. Hmm. Never been told I have a certain voice before, but thank you Goke for the compliment, it's really nice. Just so we're clear, I'm not doing any karaoke's on this podcast. So nice try, but thanks for all the compliment guys, really appreciate it. So, um, as we do on all by myself, I just pick on something, a topic on an issue that I just find interesting or matters to me, or just something I noticed around me during the lockdown and something that I saw was during the Easter break. So I hope everyone who celebrated, I hope for those of you who did, that you had a good Easter celebration with family and you made the best of it in this very difficult time. Um, For me, I think the image of the Pope actually giving Mass online to millions of people around the world really brought it home and it got me to really just kind of reflect on the importance of faith. At this time, and um, what did whatever faith that we practice, how we are using it or how we could be using it during the lockdown? Well, to be clear, just um, for anyone who is thinking um, what my own religion is, I am spiritual and I have my own beliefs, but I am not religious. Um, Let's just say that I have a rather complicated relationship with God, okay. Um, but I do believe there is something, it's just, um, mm, that's something we'll probably discuss at maybe one of my souls maybe I might do an extra souls about that. That said, I do know that faith plays a really big role in providing meaning, purpose, and joy to many people's lives. So today, for my guest, chat, I will be discussing exactly that. it will be focused on spirituality, study and work in lockdown and now we can stay grounded during this period. I'll be talking to Chris McDermott. Chris is a priest, a mediator and a doctoral researcher and also lead chaplain at the University of Sussex. He has a background in conflict resolution and has worked across the world, notably in London, Africa, and the USA.
1: How
0: have you been?
1: I've been very well, thank you.
0: Excellent, excellent.
1: Keeping busy, etc.
0: Yeah? Are you working today? From remotely, obviously.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) 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 Um, Working remotely, or or some would say remotely working.
0: Remotely working. working. Good, Uh, good. (laughs) Yeah. So, thanks for joining me, uh, Chris, and really more just on the behalf of everyone else who don't get to tell you this. Just thank you for what you're doing to support staff and students. So, I see, um, you know, you've. It looks to me like you're really having a great lot. I, I mean, I would go as far as saying that you're having a blast. <laughs> <You> don't, don't, <laughs> don't
1: tell anyone; it might not be right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So how's it been? What you've been up to? Um, I see you've been cycling. Uh, I see you've been doing some sharing your dashing photos of your class of '73, looking hot and handsome. And there's this thing a zazen kai. What's that about?
1: Uh, oh, the zazen kai. Yes, that was a uh, a day of zen meditation uh, that I did on Saturday. Actually, it was a Saturday morning. It was a whole Saturday morning, and then the afternoon I had a one-to-one interview with the Zen teacher who was leading it. So, yeah, so it was a day where you alternate between Zazen, or sitting meditation, and then doing a bit of walking meditation, then back to sitting meditation, uh, and there's also space for the teacher to share some thoughts, followed by further meditation.
0: Hmm. You know, I was, I was listening. I said, like, that's such a cool name. I've got to look it up. Whatever that means. I want to try it out. <laughs> and now, I, you're saying you talk about it. I think it sounds like something I'm going to give it a go. I, I like the sound of that. So you've been doing a lot of meditation as well at, um, at Sussex University. And I've seen some of your videos on that. So how, how is that like? Why do you normally run those sessions?
1: When do I normally do those? How sessions? do you
0: normally run them? How does that work? Oh,
1: uh, uh, yes. Uh, in a way that is rather similar to the videos you may have seen. Mm. Uh, we gather upstairs at the meeting house and um, I might say a few words of introduction uh, and then we will basically get to it. The, the sessions I do at the meeting house are largely built around the mindfulness model. Uh, and really, mindfulness is simply paying attention on purpose. Hmm. And so once people are are comfortable in their seats and sitting in a way that will help them to be attentive and still be comfortable, uh, we will then do a meditation that will focus that attention uh, on some particular uh, thing. Could be. Our body could be our body uh, and our breath, or maybe just breath. Uh, sometimes we focus on things in the environment like sound. Uh, we could also focus on inward experiences. For example, attentively observing our train of thought, uh, noticing the emotional resonances carried by those thoughts. But the the exercises just paying attention really and in that way kind of creating a bit of space within ourselves by doing so
0: Hmm. so it sounds like um, if you put the two together is it focus and um, attention it seems that that's something that we seem to struggle with nowadays do you think that um, if we improve those sounds like we would have um, a better overall well-being is that what you is that your thought
1: Yeah, um, I I would suggest that uh, the more we practice deliberately paying attention, uh, the more that that uh, capacity for attentiveness will carry into other areas of life. I mean, mindfulness uh, at the end of the day isn't simply sitting in meditation for 30, 40 minutes. It's what happens when you get off your chair or Mm -hmm. off cushion, uh, and you take that capacity for attentiveness back home, back into your workplace, uh, back into the varied relationships we have, uh, back into life. Uh, Hmm. But it's um, also been shown to uh, enhance our capacity for calm. Uh, It's been shown to reduce uh, excessive anxiety. And it's it, it, mindfulness has been used for some decades now as interventions in clinical situations, supporting people with different, you know, in different areas of their well-being. Uh, it's been used uh, with people recovering from cancer or for heart, from heart operations, people suffering from depression, intense anxiety. Uh, it, it's been used in relationship counselling. So mindfulness is, is really uh, uh, a practical, all-encompassing thing. Uh, again, it isn't just sitting. It's sitting in meditation is a technique that helps to nourish mindfulness. But mindfulness is really more to do with our orientation to, to life as a whole
0: and one of the things that um i'm going to just tell you i am rubbish at just being able to sit still uh, i'm just so terrible at this and uh, so the first time i tried mindfulness i you know they tell you don't think about the elephant don't think about the elephant well, <laughs> and obviously the only <laughs> the first thing you do is you think about the elephant uh so it was a very my first experience of mindfulness and you end up um just thinking about yes. oh I'm not getting this. I'm really rubbish at this. And uh, I started uh, I started doing it for a little bit, and then I realized what you're saying, that it's not so much about that same time that you're spending sitting down. It's the deliberate practice that almost become like muscle memory after a while that you then yeah. carry on through the day. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's it. Yeah, it does become a kind of muscle memory. But coming back to that uh, that idea of I'm rubbish at this, my mind keeps going all over the place uh one uh um, assumption that is often made about mindfulness and meditation per se is that it's about stopping thinking hmm. but it isn't uh it, no one is invited to stop thinking you can't do that anyway uh y- the mind is going to continue to do what the mind does and the mind generates thoughts um but it's about uh sitting with an awareness of your thinking without necessarily. Uh, Going along for the ride, as it were. Um, I mean, sitting there, you're thinking, "I'm, I'm, I, I'm rubbish at this." Okay, that's the the thought going through your mind at that moment while you're trying to perhaps attend to your breath or to your to your body, instead of uh, you know thinking of that as a kind of interruption in your meditation, it becomes a part of the meditation. Uh, okay. In so far, if you simply notice that that thought is there. Perhaps noticing how that makes you feel when you think it, but then letting it go and returning uh, to the focus uh, on your body, your breath, whatever that may be. And if during the half hour that you are sitting in a meditation, that happens 10,000 times, that's perfectly all right. Because just noticing that that is happening is itself a kind of mindfulness but mm. when you notice my mind is preoccupied with this or I I started thinking about that, when you notice that happening, you simply, you know, kind of, kind of gently and without any judgment on yourself, without telling yourself, gee, I'm rubbish, you simply notice it and gen- gently come back to uh, your uh, uh, focus on whatever yeah. it is. It, it may be the focus in that particular meditation.
0: You know, one of the things I was thinking, I was reflecting on as you were saying this is, you know, for the person listening out there, maybe students at Sussex or elsewhere, or even young people or anyone else, actually, staff, Yeah. are thinking, you know, why should I really care about this? I hear about this, my, let's bring it home, you know, let's see how does this really affect them? Now, How can it help people right now? You know, in this, especially currently in the current situation where we're in, or even after that, how how do you bring it on? How do you connect to show this is how it could actually help?
1: Well, uh, I would say it it can be a supportive practice. Um, What I won't say is that it's the only practice that one should do. I mean, Mm. some people, we we bring different personalities and different uh, uh, styles to life. And for you taking a walk in the park across the road or wherever you have access to Greenland might be the thing that you do. Uh, But I would say that mindfulness offers a particular um, uh, practical support, especially you were referring to the times we're going through now, the strange time of isolation. Uh, I've spoken to uh, students who are currently in isolation and to other people who are, uh, currently isolated often on their own they're living in a uh, in a room they're living in a place where they're they're not with others and when you're not with other people and even if you are I think uh, a situation like this heightens our sense of anxiety and worry and the mind easily uh, becomes overwhelmed with uh, anxieties you know we worry about will I catch the virus if I go mm-hmm. out Uh uh, or do I have it even? Uh, or we worry about how is this going to impact on my studies? How is this going to impact on my job? Uh, and, and then the worries become uh, at times quite excessive. One of the uh, uh, interventions mindfulness offers is space to actually, first of all, sit with those thoughts. Uh, one of the exercises we do is we actually invite people to uh, once they are kind of grounded in their uh, their their body and their breath, to deliberately pay attention to to that stream of thought going through their minds, hmm. um, observing that stream of thought as though it were you know just so much passing traffic on the road, you know bicycles, motorcycles, lorries, cars, pedestrians, whatever they're going by as you're kind of sitting uh, still by that uh, roadside. You watch it deliberately, um, hmm. um, retaining that kind of place by the road. You just watch those thoughts. Uh, you notice uh, the extent to which any of those thoughts evoke uh, uh, an emotional resonance. Wow, you know, that one makes me really feel anxious. That one makes me feel worried. Uh, hey, that one kind of fills me with excitement and anticipation. You know, you just notice the emotional mm-hmm. resonance. And if you find that you've actually jumped on board one of those buses going by, once you've noticed that you've got carried away with the narrative, you simply. You, you get go, off the bus? You get off the bus.
0: And, and get on the next one. That's and, fine too. Well, that's
1: what happens. <laughs> you, <laughs> sit by there, or you might find yourself getting on the next one or hopping on a bicycle or a motorcycle. Or well, you may
0: just stop another each each.
1: But you that that, that you're, you're not trying to repress any of that. You're not trying to stop that stuff. But what yep, you're trying to is yep. build your capacity for actually, yeah, looking at it, creating a bit of aesthetic distance between yourself. Mm-hmm. And the thought. Uh because what happens, we, we, we so identify with that stream of thought at times that we, we, we lose perspective. We identify it as reality. When actually,
0: I know they say that is actually very yeah. true that um things are worse in our thoughts than they are in reality. Is that what you you meant? Yeah.
1: Yeah, i would say i would say that tends to be the case a friend of mine used to say 98% of our anxieties probably aren't going to come to pass but like that with the thoughts um when 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 we can act that when we can observe our thoughts as for what they are events in the mind however powerful the emotional resonance they carry they are events in the mind they're not the reality and the more mm-hmm. we can do that the more we can cultivate uh, a, a practice of actually being responsive rather than reactive when those more intense narrative thoughts go through our minds, because often when you're in a situation, it might not be to do with the coronavirus, but it could be a situation where some conflict, a flashpoint just happens in mm-hmm. our lives. Um, and, and and when you've kind of cultivated this capacity to recognize the difference between what you're thinking in that moment and you know the reality you could probably uh better respond to the situation rather than react to it Uh, someone cuts in front of you at uh, the shop you know you're, you're in the queue now socially distancing of course someone yeah cuts, so someone,
0: <laughs> you can't someone, even do anything you can't moves,
1: get uh, to and gets in front of you uh and perhaps the thought is what an uh, what a rude person. What a total jerk! Uh, this guy has no consideration for other people. He's uh, he, he he he's a totally selfish. Boy, his wife is a lucky woman, I bet. And you're thinking all this. Stuff.
0: Are these the thoughts that these go through your head, thought, Father Father, father <laughs> This
1: person you've identified this person with a particular kind of reality, and the possibilities you might even react to that person depending on the kind of person you are. <laughs> you, you might you might say something. Hey, jerk! You've just cut in front of me, or uh, uh, you know, you slap them upside the head, whatever you know. So yeah, you know, uh, uh, but actually, what you've done, you've so identified with the reality of that thinking going through your head that you've lost perspective. It may be that individual didn't even notice you. It may be that totally mm-hmm. disoriented by this new situation uh, obtaining in the shops, and so didn't realize that. You know several feet behind the uh uh the visible uh space between the the the, the counter and, and and you you know he thought oh good a space i'm going to just go in there then i'm you know, getting the mm-hmm. I, i've i've seen that happen actually at- um <laughs> uh, but but in those situations that it uh, become flashpoints for us in the, the you know the the general course of life it could be a work situation Uh, where someone has done something or said something and you immediately want to jump on them because you've created this this image and you're reacting to that image. But when we can kind of create that distance between, okay, this is what's going through my mind. Hey, you know, it might be true. I'm not saying the guy's Mm -hmm. not a jerk. Maybe he is. (laughs) But uh, more than likely, he probably isn't. He simply did not notice you there uh and you could respond instead of react instead of saying yo jerk you've just got in front of me it could be excuse me sir but there's a cue
0: and he, he may-
1: oh, <laughs> oh i'm sorry i didn't know this and he goes and you see um again that's a very trite example but i i think yeah, yeah, most yeah. of us could come up with situations where we think yeah uh uh, if, if when X happens or when this happens, you know, I, 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 I tend to be reactive. Um, mm-hmm. so, so Mindfulness can actually hone our capacity to respond to life and to people around us uh, rather than react.
0: That's amazing. Um, so it's, it's, it helps us uh, take a breath, be a little bit more grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, in that process, we get a little bit more tranquility especially now. Yeah. And one of the things that I was thinking about, as you were saying, that was the, the things we control, the things we can't control. Mm-hmm. And you probably know that, um, you know that serenity yeah, prayer as yeah, well? Yes. Uh, which is, uh, what did I just go, God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, something like that?
1: Yes, grant me, and to and, and to change the things I can and to know the difference.
0: And to yes. know the difference. So in many ways, this is almost... in. In a way, we're not going religious because, you know, we're just looking at uh, broad um, techniques or broad knowledge out there. But similar to that, isn't it? You can't control the jerk, (laughs) (laughs) but you can't control. (laughs) Stupid jerk. You can control you. (laughs) Even
1: if the jerk is a jerk and is acting like a jerk, uh, you you can control how you respond. Uh...
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a really good i mean it sounds very simple but it's a very visual and i'm sure many of us have probably thought that at uh, at the shop i know i have uh so uh and i've probably been the jerk uh, so uh <laughs> Gee, I, I, i'm
1: sure i have uh but...
0: no nah, you, you, you i don't believe that you're you you're, you're the cool place you just you're just so chilled you wouldn't do that nah <laughs>
1: well, you might be surprised but yeah but the thing we Talking we, we, about we all do, we all uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, you know, have a lapse of attention now and then. We find Absolutely, so well, I didn't realize I was cutting in front of you. Sorry.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's all so being, I, then, then, isn't yeah. it? Yeah,
1: but anyway, it's, it's not just mind. It's not just you know, kind of mindful meditation that can nurture that capacity. But I think people. Um, uh, we bring all kinds of uh qualities with us i mean uh some you know, some some people who they probably don't do mindfulness but they they they're they're kind people they're compassionate people and absolutely compassion also shapes those responses as well uh i don't need to be a practitioner of mindfulness uh uh to um you know uh, realize that this person might not actually be a jerk you know they that is true. So,
0: uh, there is a general definition of a jerk. So, <laughs> <we don't> even, <laughs> it's a universal even even definition. But, uh, yes. <laughs> good yeah, stuff. So, Chris, um, I, I was just going to pick up on that point because, uh, I know one of the things that as you were saying this, I was just thinking to myself as well because, um, there's so many things I wanted to ask you. And I'm trying to also keep like as keep this short so people, you know, people can still it's short and easily accessible as yeah. well. But I'm really interested, if you don't mind, for you to just d- do a two minutes of because I saw one on internet that you did on our thoughts and how you just meditate. It was a really lovely video oh, right. con- observing yeah. our stream of thoughts. Yeah. Can you do two minutes of that? And I like the cat's background, it was very soothing. <laughs>
1: okay in two minutes we'll just do uh,
0: uh yeah I'll, what should i do i'll tell
1: you what just make yourself comfortable tell us wherever you are you know, just okay. uh, uh uh sit in a way that is for you represents an attentive posture whatever that looks like for you uh but you know make yourself comfortable where you're sitting um you know have a, a connection with the ground Make sure you're you're sitting in a way that is solid, uh, and be relaxed. Rest your hands in your lap, and for a few moments, just 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 sit with an awareness of what your body feels like at that moment. Just notice sensation around the body. Just notice the sensation of your breathing. And anchor the awareness there. As you breathe in, notice the sensation of your body expanding to receive the in-breath. And as you breathe out, just observe the sensation and those moments of change in the body as you release the breath. And anchor the awareness there. If we just... uh, A brief time. So breathing in, you're aware of your your body and your breath. And as you breathe out, let go of that focused attention on your body and your breath. And as you breathe in next, just deliberately focus. On the train of thoughts going through your mind as you as you sit there, it could be the thought, "Gee, I hope Chris isn't going to be too long doing this because we've got a
0: short time." <laughs> now you completely ruined can it. Be, yeah, no,
1: be, but just notice whatever thoughts are going through your mind.
0: Just notice it. <laughs> you know, I actually did think about that. Yeah,
1: I thought, yeah, I thought like, it was coming across. I was picking up the vibe. But just notice what, it ba- what did that feel like? What was, it, what was the
0: emotion? What I did was I let it go okay. as he taught me.
1: But when it when it was there, was there any kind of sense of, what did it feel like? What was the emo-
0: Anxiety. I, it, I, was, I was, was anxious. Go. You
1: notice the anxiety, you notice that, you let it go and you move on. And then eventually what we do, we okay. come back after a period of doing that. Um, we just come back to uh, grounding the awareness of our body and our breath. And that's that's in roughly two minutes. <laughs> the uh,
0: sh- No, no, I mean... You see, the thing is, they say that thing about um, you can sh- t- tell me and I'll forget. You show me and I'll, rem- and I'll remember. When you get me to do it, I'll never forget, right? So when you were saying it, I got what you were saying, but practicing it now, really get, because yeah, I was thinking, oh, how long is this going to yeah. actually be? And then I was thinking, a few other questions I want to ask you. And yeah, immediately my body started to like, oh, I wanted to open my eyes and start looking at um, the screen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I wanted to <laughs> nudge you. I was like, oh God, it's not even here. <laughs> I felt that nudge. Uh, but no, then I just started like, you know what? Let it go. We're having a really good chat and, you know, just roll with it. It was the worst that could happen. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. That's, I think, for me, I hope people who are actually listen to this would be able to, be able to put it in practice and see how it works because that was very good for me to actually just, Observe my own thoughts, and not not get too anxious, in, in a way. So, um, we had a really good chat the other day, and I know you're doing your PhD. So you're not just a cool priest; you are actually really, really into research, um, philosophy as well. You love learning, and I know you love your books that much. I know, um, and your PhD is. Super interesting. I mean, the first time you told me about it, I think we ended up talking for about half an hour or something like that. It's something mm-hmm. on our religious belonging. Yeah. So that was when you first told me, I didn't even have a clue what that meant. Uh, now I do. But do you want to say a little yeah. bit of that? And in the context of why is spirituality important now, really, in the coming times? What's the relevance of faith? spirituality in the context of your PhD?
1: Well, the the PhD research is coming from uh, an awareness that for, well, some decades now, there has been this phenomena of uh, people who will simultaneously identify themselves as uh, members of two religions, often very different religions. Uh, I will be focusing on those who identify themselves as both Christian and Buddhist. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, you're thinking, well, how can that be? That doesn't make sense. Christianity is uh, theist in the sense that it, it talks about God. Uh, it talks about creation. Uh, Buddhism, particularly, um, I'm going to be focusing on Zen Buddhism, but Buddhism uh, does not speak the language of God. It doesn't uh, uh, use God talk. In fact, it's. Um, if it's not atheist it's a theist and um it mm-hmm. uh, also uh would not subscribe to the idea of a creator so how do those two things come together in in an experience so uh what I, what i'll be looking at is um i'll be engaging uh and have engaged with the critical literature uh, around that experience i'll be looking at um a way of grounding and arguing for that experience philosophically. Uh, but in the end, I'm going to come back to uh, resources in both Christianity and Zen Buddhism that actually does uh, uh, offer a hospitable space for this experience of dual religious belonging. Um, and, and, and further, I'm going to suggest that the, the grounds for it um, are... Uh, a kind of open, gentle, uh, ontological way of thinking uh, that uh, allows a lot of space for uncertainty, doesn't rush to uh, solid conclusions, but sits with um, the tension uh, between uh, different uh, 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 traditions, uh, different uh, ideas, different conflicting uh, experiences, in a sense. Um, but when we can uh, value questioning, we can value uh, uncertainty as a matter of course, uh, the, the argument is that we're probably less prone to violence as well. Because um, in the past, I mean, there's a lot of talk around religion being inherently violent. Um, and I would say it's not religion that's inherently violent. First of all, we, you know, there, we don't have an, a universally uh, accepted definition of religion. So you, you really can't say any mm-hmm. you can't say that religion is violent or nonviolent at that level. Um, but when religion um, or, or other ideological commitments engage us with violence, it's not because of the ideology or the religion but it's because of the uh, attitude of certainty about what we think. My religion is true. It is hard fact. It is what God intends. Therefore, if you're not a part of that, you are an enemy of God. And we become defensive when we have these hardcore certainties uh, that we operate with. And and I think the violence tends to come out of that Unquestioning certainty we often uh, accept, mm. but um, so that's very, very, very an inadequate nutshell of uh, what I'll be doing. But I will start the uh, the thesis with a kind of uh, auto ethnographic reflection on my own journey because I, I am an Anglican priest, uh, but I am also a practicing Zen uh, Buddhist. So go figure. Uh, but I do. I think yeah. with reflection on that <laughs> journey, uh, that brought me to that 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 experience of uh, dual belonging, you might say.
0: Um, yeah, it's it's interesting you said that because I was actually wanted to ask you if you if I mean it's something you, you you can feel comfortable talking about or if you don't want to talk about it. That what how would you define your own faith? And it's interesting to hear what you just said because that idea of contradictions. I mean, how do we embrace that? You know, you were talking about religion potentially being ascribed to violence, the concept of uncertainty, that broken middle that we talked about the other time. I mean, how do you embrace those contradictions? You know, Um, because I know religion is in some parts of the world is still very much uh, strong as it was. In some parts, like this country in the UK, it's kind of losing its yeah. um, appeal in many ways. And people are not as religious as they are. Is that is because is this concept of dual religious belonging? Do you think it's what it's going to be happening more over time in developed countries, or what's your sense of it in terms of this contradiction? And how do we well, embrace all,
1: that? I think it's h- how we understand our own religious language. Um, do we understand the Uh, Language we use as kind of uh, uh, referential Um, when I uh, talk about, say, God, or if I talk about nirvana, uh, am I referring to a thing uh, as such? Uh, In both Christianity and in in Zen Buddhism, uh, the experience of nirvana or or, God uh, is not deemed to be a thing. Um, alongside other things in the universe, and uh, those uh, hallowed laws of non-contradiction, we tend to to follow in the West certainly um, um, in relationship to uh, you know life around us. A is not B, uh, or you know, uh, if A, then A. So that, that those laws of uh, of contradiction, they they do, I think, apply to everything uh, in life. Uh, They apply to things, but God, nirvana are not things. When we speak that language of God and nirvana, we're kind of uh, using language to use a Zen uh, uh, catchphrase. uh, Our words are fingers pointing at the moon, but they're not the moon. Hmm. So to some extent, there is a poetic uh, (laughs) understanding of the language. Uh, different poetries, but uh, uh, possibly uh, directing us to uh, a, a, an experience that is profound. Uh, um, also, I, I would say that uh, for me, it, what, what is important isn't the intellectual content of what you believe, your concepts, uh, they're secondary to the, uh, the, the moral energies that motivate us. And uh, you know where religion uh, uh, compels us to a life of compassion, a life of kindness uh, for others, for ourselves, uh, a, a life that is more about uh, uh, love and compassion for the the world, for all sentient beings. Then that religion, you know, um, whatever label is the true religion, but. But if your religion disposes you toward fear, toward hatred, toward some felt need to dominate uh, and to suppress for the sake of the truth uh, and thereby committing you to, uh, you know, violence of some sort, whether it's actual physical violence or the violence of excluding someone else. If your religion is pushing you in the direction of excluding. Then it's probably. A false religion, whatever label. Uh, So for me, the the, the touchstone, I think I've gotten off uh, pissed for it here for a moment, but for me, the touchstone of uh, of, uh, faith and spirituality and religion is actually the degree to which it nurtures uh, a compassionate approach to life for us. And for me, uh, Zen and my Christian faith uh, disposed me in that direction. And and the experience of dual belonging is a bit of an adventure. Um, uh, it's not something I necessarily have sussed, though I'm in the the midst of it. Um, but uh, it, it, it's a it's a fascinating kind of uh, phenomena that uh, I thought. Well, I am a Buddhist uh, Christian, a Christian Buddhist, however you want to put that. Um, mm-hmm. But this is such a strange phenomenon and unusual uh relatively speaking uh i want to pursue that i want to understand it and, and and talk about it with a bit more awareness hence the uh phd which is a rather expensive way of going about wanting to talk about something with awareness but uh yeah but, uh, but, poor, I would,
0: I would it's not just um expensive <laughs> very very tough yeah. Um how many how far you get how far have you got uh, along with um around. writing up
1: submitted two chapters uh of five so far so i'm kind of in the uh, early stages of it and no doubt I mean, the nature yeah. of the research is such I'll, I'll invariably go back and i'll be rewriting uh, all the, those chapters again and again
0: I'm going to ask you something um cuz we were talking earlier about uh, you know the i like the image you painted about you know the fingers yeah. pointing at the moon and not the see that imagery is so powerful. I, I'm never going to forget that now because it's just going to stay in such a good way. And I was thinking about Nietzsche and what he said about God is dead, and how you yeah. described your concept in uh, you know very well, um, in you know in today's terms. And I was reflecting on the idea of faith. So, you know, everything really religion is all about faith, isn't it? But the idea of questioning or not questioning. Uh, so you what well, it sounds to me is saying that it's okay not to have the answers and you well, can yeah, question is I that what you think. For saying? me,
1: faith is more about how we live with questions rather than uh the the pat answers we have to questions life throws at us. How do we live with those questions? And uh um I, I, I think uh faith in that sense uh is a humble thing. It's not something that triumphantly uh blurts out its truth. Uh but it's a way for me of, of, of living with, with, with questions, um, questions about uh, uh, God, about the world, um, recognizing perhaps the poetic quality of uh, uh, much of our own religious literature. How does that, you know, work? What is that? You know, what does that mean in this context? And um, but constantly kind of living with those questions uh, without necessarily abandoning them uh, or abandoning them for easy answers. I think this is the essence of uh, uh, Gillian Rose's Broken Middle, uh, sitting with uh, apparent contradiction, Mm. sitting with unreconciled conflicts, uh, being willing to sit there patiently uh, uh, without rushing prematurely to some closure or other um and for me that that that's faith living in that tension uh once we think we have uh all the, all the answers sussed, um you know to life we you know uh, i think we've we've drifted far from faith this notion you know that uh, hmm. you know uh, come over to my church and you, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna so- we're gonna help resolve your questions um that's not uh, an invitation to faith. Now, I- I- if you were to say, hey, uh, come over to my church or my faith and let's explore questions together. I'm also looking. I'm also searching uh, in my own way. And you know, let's share some of our tentative uh, uh, suggestions uh, in, in terms of reconciling or, or responding to those questions to me it's a, di- it's, a it's a dialogue and I, I must come com- coming back I me mean, to my own uh indigenous tradition uh, Christian uh, uh, religion I mean we sometimes use a language called the deposit of faith to reserve to refer to uh the body of teachings over the centuries uh, in Christianity But that's a misnomer, because when you hear deposit of faith, you think of some kind of geological uh, uh, thing, you know, uh, layers of rock hardened, you know, there it is. That's 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 the faith. That's the truth you point to. But in reality, uh, the Christian tradition, uh, if you look at the story of the church, it's been a a series of dialogues, a series of conversations, uh, uh, sometimes conversations that have gotten really rude as people have responded to each other and mm. with you know arriving at tentatively agreed uh you know uh uh statements at times but then the the controversy re-emerging in other forms and more dialogue and and for me that process of dialogue that process of conversation even when it's uncomfortable uh uh it, it is uh the, the the tradition so uh i would say that instead of deposit of faith um conversation is more of a model for 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 uh my own religious tradition uh a conversation as i say at times has gotten really rude right
0: right right uh, i mean we see that you know, today, you know don't you, we it it's that is a reality yes. in um unfortunate reality, which shouldn't be. But, uh, you know, uh, I guess it facilitates or it it provides an opportunity for growth, for us to learn, to listen to one another. Uh, But unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. So I'm going to just pick something up with you. This is something I've always been curious about. And uh, this is just on a lighter note. Tell me your story, Chris. How did you end up becoming a priest? So you're like the cool priest everyone should have growing up. And you would work to come to church if you had someone like you. But how did you become that? How did you? Oh yeah.
1: Well, I I am not sure. I'm. Yeah, yeah.
0: You're pretty cool.
1: I did. um, No, but when I when I was younger, uh, I grew up in Niagara Falls, New York, and uh, one of the experiences that really shook me out of uh, uh, my uh, adolescent self uh, absorption was the the murder of Dr. Martin Luther King hmm. and uh, uh, you know I lived in a very racially mixed community as well so I was very much aware of the the the, the dynamics uh, um, uh, of the civil rights movement but then when Dr. King was assassinated and then a few months later my my own personal hero uh, Senator Robert Kennedy when he was shot that just shook me. Hmm. And I, uh, and I got involved, I was what, tw- uh, 12, 13 at the time, and I found myself getting actively involved in the politics of 1968, uh, actively supporting the campaign of a, 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 a senator, an anti-war senator running uh, for the New York Senate. He lost, by the way, um, but just getting hmm. involved in the politics of that time, but also, you uh, uh, getting this real sense of, I want to do something with my mm. life. Uh, and initially I thought, well, oh, that might just be around political activism. Then I thought, you know, uh, I, I, I want to be a, a civil rights lawyer. And so I was, you know, thinking along those lines. And then when I was uh, 15, uh, I think being uh, inspired by the uh, life of St. Francis of Assisi, I decided I wanted to become a Franciscan priest. And uh, so uh, that's what I was going to do with my life, become a priest. Now, um, that particular uh, aim went through various permutations because I did eventually leave the Catholic Church Mm. um, and uh, was originally ordained in a very lively evangelical tradition in uh, South Africa. Um, Then came... Not long after that, uh, full circle back to a kind of Catholic tradition. And um, I um, identified as an Anglican. Uh, And eventually, back in the 90s, I moved into Anglican orders and I became an Anglican priest. That's a very... uh, 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 a uh, quick sketch wow. of the so, journey. I mean, but, uh, very,
0: so it started out with, It's very interesting. Yeah. So you eat from, from the state, go involved with um, Matilda, um, you know, um, you saw all of that happen. Um, Kennedy as well, you know, get involved in grassroots, community work, and all, all that, then all those things happen around you. And um, all the things, you know, you were a young man, young boy at the time, not sure what you even wanted to do but those things shaped you. And I was just thinking to myself that what advice would you give to like young people right now who are figuring out what to do with their future or their careers? So from your story, what kind of advice would you give, your top tip for them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, yeah, keep, keep, keep options open. Uh, uh, be willing to explore, but take advantage of um, opportunities to volunteer as well. Um, Because those volunteer opportunities will perhaps bring things to the fore that you might not have uh, discovered for yourself. Uh, They might also just evoke in you skills and uh, talents that you didn't even realize you had. Uh, Before coming to Sussex, I Worked for an organization called Conflict and Change in the East End, uh, and the work was focused on uh, training young people in uh, nonviolent conflict resolution skills, training them up as peace builders. Uh, But a lot of the young people who we I was working with became volunteers, Uh, uh, not sure what they were going to do with their lives, but they become. They became peer facilitators. Mm-hmm. They became peer peace builders. They volunteered in different ways, and and found those opportunities were, ho- you know, honing uh, uh, skills they didn't realize they had, uh, and often in some cases actually um, providing uh, in the end some life direction yeah. uh, for the choices they made. One, I'm pleased say, one of those young people I'm actually still uh, engaged with as a mentor. Mm. Uh, from those days in in, in Newham. Um, but that connection emerged from, uh, of course, uh, those uh, days working with a voluntary sector project in which he, he became one of our uh, uh, volunteers.
0: Hmm. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that story, um, your story and that advice. Um, yeah, I think uh, I didn't know that about you, Chris, uh, and that, that was how you became a priest. So that's really... Inspiring that this is what you're doing, and I know what you're doing at Sussex for everyone. And you know, thank you for that. Um, so a few years ago, you were asked, um, what five people, living or dead, would you invite to a dinner party? Do you remember? And oh, what's
1: that? I know, I I,
0: I, remember, Kennedy Martin Luther King was one of them. Yeah, has that yeah. changed, or is that still the net five people? Is it is this still the same list, or has that changed? Well,
1: you know, I can't remember the list I made. All right, let me know but now. Five people: uh, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King would certainly uh, yeah. be among. Um, I, I'd also like to invite a, a bloke named Badshah Khan. I don't know if you know. No. Not. Uh but um, but Badshah Khan, I'll tell you a bit about him in a second. Um, I think uh uh, uh Gandhi. Gandhi, okay. And, uh, Gandhi, it'd be interesting, and Bernie Sanders. for one, uh, you,
0: do you want Bernie yeah. and Trump together, or just Bernie alone?
1: No, no, no just Bernie. I, I, I wasn't thinking of inviting. Him. <laughs> but, but Badshah Khan. I don't know. He, he was. Uh, Badshah Khan was uh, an, uh, an Afghan. He was uh, a member of the Pashtun tribe. He was also uh, uh, a follower of. Um, uh, 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 Mahandas Gandhi, Gandhi. Okay. But, uh, and, um, but Bacha Gan took Gandhi's teaching to Afghanistan, uh, with him. And he was, um, involved in the struggle for freedom in Afghanistan. Wow. And in that struggle, he, he actually, uh, he, he raised an army of a hundred and thousand, a hundred thousand warriors, but all dedicated to peace they were unarmed, but their role was to kind of take the techniques and the strategies mm-hmm. of Gandhi into uh, the you know uh, into the further reaches of Afghanistan and through nonviolent action uh, engage in the struggle for freedom there so Bacha khan did in afghanistan something similar to what gandhi did in india hmm. but i think Bacha khan is interesting to me i think because of the profile that afghanistan has in our imagination that
0: is true yeah and, yep. and,
1: and, and ashton tribe which are the key um i mean <clears throat> that that's the the tribe that many of the taliban would come from <clears throat> sorry Bless you. but Bacha khan to me Uh, is a very striking figure in that context, a warrior for peace um, and who organized an army of warriors, uniformed army, but all dedicated to nonviolence and peace. Fascinating. How how cool was that?
0: Fascinating stuff. The people that people can actually do that. The people, you know, the examples that these people leave for us. And it's just fascinating. Mm. The, The thought that you would go in unarmed, for peace, for what you believe in, mm. and you're going to, you know, in many ways be ready to die for it. Mm. It's it's it's, yeah. it's amazing. So you have um, Baksha Khan, you have um, Gandhi, you have Martin Luther King, you have Bernie Sanders. That's already an amazing dinner party, but do you have a fifth? Would yeah, that be, would head that head be head. me, maybe? Oh,
1: uh, well, no, dude. in of course. <laughs> uh but uh yeah you know uh yes I, 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 I and mean, the mind has gone blank because you've asked
0: no um, I think that four four of those yeah, is in yeah, no. any dinner party I mean one having one of those guys at your dinner party it's itself uh something yeah. you would never forget so that's a great list that's an amazing list actually uh, so, uh,
1: elizabeth Warren would be cool to have uh, as well you know it's uh because mm. I, just, I just realized it's a, a party that is excessively bloke enriched, and it, you know it's going to need another dynamic, another energy there.
0: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Thank you so much, Grace. We've—I mean, this has just gone on. It's been fascinating. Always great talking. We've really gone over, but it's totally fine. I can talk to you for hours um, because you always have such amazing insights and life experiences. So um, thanks again for making time to do this, Chris. Really oh, appreciate it. Um, if people want to reach out to you, I just contact you, Did they reach you in any way?
1: Well if, I mean if you're within the university, my, uh, my email uh, address is available uh, on, the, on the website. You should easily find that. Um, and if you want to have a Skype conversation, do email me, e- email me, and uh, you know I'll give you my Skype uh, um, handle, or indeed uh, happy to Zoom with you, mm-hmm. uh, or even Microsoft Team with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm set up to do it all now uh, in recent times. And actually, if if you happen to be, because there are a number of people who I, who are on my Facebook page, uh, Facebook Messenger is a great way to have a face to face conversation with uh, to uh, as well
0: excellent excellent i'll put those um in the notes when i put the show together and people can see how to get in touch with you especially those who are at the university of sussex chris it's always a pleasure thank you so much and you take care and stay safe
1: okay you too go all
0: right take care Bye -bye.
1: bye